0: Welcome to Acme Talks and Live Events. You are listening to a podcast from the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. This talk has been recorded in front of a live studio audience. This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes, which may not be suitable for younger audiences. And the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME.
1: In tonight's replay session titled Indie Development Exploring the Fringe, we're stepping away from the corporations and the studios, the economic imperatives and the meta cricket, the focus group and the accepted wisdom. We're asking the question are developers intent on being truly independent and in doing so exploring their own personal passions, art and experiences? Just as the major film studios set up independent divisions, so has the idea of what it means to be an independent game developer initiated the process of being co-opted by the industrial system, turning it into something distinctly softer, safer and perhaps more palatable. So chairing this evening will be academic, critical and cultural commentator, Laura Crawford. Laura is a lecturer, consultant and PhD candidate across games, cinema and psychology her fields of expertise include the history of the user relationship with screen violence and the psychology of attracting, attraction to fantastical violence. She speaks frequently at conferences, nationally and internationally on these topics. Her latest publication is a book chapter published in video game cultures entitled Dictating Morality, The Problematic Epistemologies of Engagement. A recent consultancy gig involved being... Uh, the academic consultant for defending the Human Centipede 2 to the Australian Review Board. She's heavily involved in the International Game Developers Association's Melbourne chapter and was one of the organisers of the last local Global Game Jam event. Uh, and Laura has been gaming since she was eight years old. So Laura will be joined this evening by Andrew Brophy, Farbs and Yang Chen Lee. And uh, Laura will be speaking a little bit more about these guys and... Uh, So, after all that, I'll hand it over to Laura.
2: Thank you, Tim. Okay, thanks, Tim, for the introduction, and uh, thanks, everyone, for coming tonight. Welcome to the very first of the replay sessions for 2013. It's wonderful to have you all here, and as you know, this one is entitled Indie Development, Exploring the Fringe. So, in his paper on independent game production, Bart Simon wrote, to speak of an indie game is to speak often very passionately about the context of the production of that game. To speak of indie games is not to speak only of the games themselves, of the experiences of gameplay, but rather of the cultures of game development from whence they came. So this is one of the things that we're here to explore tonight. The many varied cultures and experiences of indie game development. And hopefully to begin a much-needed conversation about how these have changed as independently made games have made their way into the mainstream. We'd also like to touch on, with the help of our esteemed panel, Uh, what it means to be an independent creative generally and the challenges faced by them within the context of that decision that they've made. So the evening is going to run as such. Basically the guests, each of the guests will speak with me for 20 minutes. Uh, We'll have a one-on-one discussion, you know, complete with some lovely slides. And uh, then we'll move on to a panel discussion and question time. So um, without further ado, I will introduce the first of our guests, which is... Farbs, otherwise known as Jared Woods, but mostly known as Farbs, generally. Um, he has made such wonderful games as Captain Forever, which I'm pretty sure all of you know. It's a beautiful thing. I was playing it to my students today. Cumulo uh, Nimblers and Fishy Fishy, which is a very challenging <laughs> game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Fabs is a game designer best known for announcing his resignation with a video game, which we're going to have a bit of a look at tonight. It's quite funny. Um, and very quite ingenious, uh, but he'd rather be known for his IGF China-winning game Captain Forever and his art game things Rom Check Fail and Play Pen. He's currently working on more Captain Forever titles, and the Nerdgasmic tabletop thank you tabletop RPG CCG browser celebration Card Hunter, and probably a dozen other things. So, you can join us in welcoming Far, please. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so I guess like the first thing that we'd want to discuss is generally how and why did you become an indie creative?
3: Right. Um, I wonder how far back we want to go. Um, <laughs> so I was about eight years old and, <laughs> and uh, I love video games at this point. I was playing a lot of computer games and things uh, and I was playing a game called Monty Mole on the C64 and I think hidden sort of off to the side on one of the first screens of the game was uh, the credit for the creator saying, you know, so-and-so made this. And I looked at that and went, holy shit, that's a thing that people do. Like, it hadn't, hadn't occurred to me that people made games. And pretty much that side of the trajectory. is just, That's what I want to do. Um, so, blah, blah, time passes. I study all the right things. I drop out of the right universities. Uh, and I land my first studio job. Um, and I work in that for a while. And then I work in another studio job. And... All the time, the the projects are getting bigger, mm-hmm. and you're, you're finding yourself working on smaller and smaller details. And it just it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Like what I wanted to be doing was sitting down and making games, whereas what I was actually doing was sitting down and tweaking uni- uh, UE elements and making small game systems. And it's it didn't have that feel. So I started making little free play things, uh, free to play things, and just other experiments in my own time. Um, And that started to gain gain traction after a while. Uh, And yeah, eventually, I decided that I wanted to just branch out and do it entirely myself.
2: So that's, yeah. Okay, wow.
3: Just because that's, yeah, I wanted to be making things like Monty Mall, basically.
2: Great, I don't imagine that was an easy decision to make, though.
3: That was pretty hard. Um, Yeah, because I wasn't sure if I could uh, get through it financially. Um, I wasn't actually sure if it was a good idea either because I was having a lot of fun making things that were free to play and that was kind of my hobby. I didn't want to turn that into a uh, business thing because then all of a sudden there's a lot of pressure on what was otherwise something that's a bit fun. Um, This is actually one of the moments of decision. I remember I had this here. (laughs) Um, I don't know if if people are familiar with Ron Carmel from uh, 2D Boy made World of Goo. Uh, there's me meeting him for the first time and freaking out a little bit. <laughs> um, if you know Mark Johns, he's in the background holding a beer and there's Phil Fish kind of poking his head out the side. Um, yeah, this is the first time I'd ever gone to GDC and I somehow managed to swing an invite to this pub where all of my heroes were there. Um, and I thought these people were just amazing legends and I just wanted to be one. And th- this is basically the point where Ron was saying, well, why don't you just do it? And I thought, oh,
2: yeah, yeah no, actually, no, I could do that. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. So was it? Did it cement these? You know, your decision over drinks with these guys. That that,
3: that certainly gave me a really big boost. Yeah. And so, I, um, at that point, I'd been working on uh, games like this fishy fishy thing here, which was a terrible failure, um, unfortunately. But <laughs> but that was me sort of attempting to make casual games because that was what small games were at the time. But then, sort of casual and indie started to merge apart a little bit and become slightly different things. Um, and I realized I didn't want to keep making games that I didn't like. Because um, that's kind of pointless. So anyway, things, things sort of picked up traction. Um, I decided I was going to try and make the coolest game in the world. And I made this game called RomCheck Fail, which I should have a picture of. Here we go. There. Now, obviously, I didn't do the art myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't seen RomCheck Fail, it's it's basically a game that every couple of seconds changes what's going on in the game. And so you'll be playing as Link, and then all of a sudden you'll be Mario, and then you'll be a Space Invader, and then you'll be, um, I don't know, something else. And meanwhile, your enemies will change, and they'll have the behaviors of the original game. And so it's it's kind of a fun thing to play, and it's cool. Um, obviously, no commercial application again. Um, I ended up presenting that um, <laughs> in front of some more famous game developers and stuff at GDC the next year, and that that was when I kind of felt, all right, I've I've hit my peak, mm-hmm. if I'm going to jump off, I should probably do it now.
2: Wow, okay. Yeah. So that then leads us into discussion of like how you actually did that. Right. And you quite famously <laughs> did that, yeah. in fact.
3: Well, um. I have to admit that that's somewhat misreported. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's famous?
3: Well, that no, funny? no, no. I, I, had, I had resigned, officially, but not told the team. And I worked with a team who were really nice people, this was at Irrational Games, um, who had just been rebranded 2K Australia. At the time, and every time somebody left, they would write this impassioned, uh, multi-page email about how they love everyone and they're really sad to see like to leave and, and all that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm really not, I'm not good at expressing myself that way, and felt very self-conscious about it. So I made a game, um, and if you haven't seen it, we can quickly go through it. This is it. This is a link I sent to them all, um, which of course the newspapers and things because it was in a couple of newspapers. Woo! Um, reported as how I quit, which is a bit fat lie. This is just how I told my team. But uh, yeah, it's like this. <laughs> so, yeah. I was right there saying I already resigned, but I just ignored that. I actually had to talk somebody through getting past this jump because they were trying to write a story on it, but I couldn't get to the last screen. <laughs> Nice so, yeah. uh, uh, and that's nice
2: cool. that's fantastic <laughs> okay so do you feel then that your work has benefited from leaving the mainstream
1: uh, um,
3: I'm not sure to be honest okay. um, so like I said I was already doing things in my own time Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ROM check fail was one of the better ideas I've had and something I was very happy with and I've done some things since that have been good as well but once you add the the pressure of trying to make something that people are gonna buy that they're gonna feel is worth not just their time to play but some amount of money um, then things get very very much more intense um, and it gets a bit difficult so I'm not really sure to be honest I mean Ever since I started making independent games, sure. But since quitting to do that full time, I'm less convinced.
2: In what in what sense? Are you less convinced.
3: Well, I mean, I, I've I've been able to find a bit of time to do some freeware things, and that's good. Um, and again, doing it independently, yes, absolutely. I feel like I've been able to do things that I'm happier with. Great. Um, which I think is important because you know, quality of life is actually something we should consider as important.
2: Um, why are we talking but I guess more the <laughs> I guess we're talking about like you know you making that decision to leave right because okay. it was effectively like a paying full-time job yeah. to go indie, right you know which is a, in and of itself a large decision right.
3: like, well it certainly how, affected how did that affect games. your work okay well um here's a, a very simple example um, this is a game captain forever mm-hmm. that you mentioned before mm-hmm. um, I had made that game and, you know, it's a space game and you're in space and so I thought, you know, space is a big empty void, it should have this kind of lonely vibe um, and so I really, really kind of pushed that element of it. And it wasn't until I was talking about it with somebody uh, a bit later, um, possibly on a panel or something in mm-hmm. fact, that they asked whether the sort of lonely, quiet, solitude vibe of the game reflected how I was feeling at the time. because. I'd gone from going into an office and working with lots of people every day to pretty much never leaving my house, and um, I hadn't thought about it like that, um, but it seems quite likely that that influenced me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, I'd, I'd never intended to make a game that was about how I felt, but that feel of the game was something that appealed to me. So that's probably what happened there. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. Um, so. So in doing that, though, you felt like you made the right decision for yourself and for, your, obviously, your creativity and for your career, in a sense, and I'd for, I'd you know, f- for your work. Um, but by the same token, it wasn't, clearly wasn't easy post-decision either. You know, was no,
3: I was, I was, yeah, I was a mess at the start. Um, I actually had a friend who had done the same thing a little bit before me say, look, just whatever you do, just don't try to sprint out of the gate because you're going to kill yourself. He had worked as hard as he could for the first month and then just had six months of being a complete mess and not getting any work done. Because the pressure of suddenly having to do everything yourself um, just broke him. Uh, So I tried to to keep calm and and get things done. But on on the other side, um, for the first couple of weeks every morning I would wake up and just leap out of bed and just go <laughs> yeah I get to yeah. go make this cool thing yeah. and I would sit down I'd, I'd make myself sit downstairs away from my main dev machine yeah. so I could sit down with a to-do list and, and really think about what I was going to get done that day and then I'd leap upstairs and, and go and do some work so that was, uh, that was actually really good uh, in terms of productivity just to be that excited about it um, that was a couple of years ago though
2: Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have those moments though?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, every now and then uh, you just get an idea and you want to you try it out, you want to see what's going to happen. Um, and so, unfortunately, that tends to happen when you're trying to get to sleep, but I find it's best just to get out of bed and see what that idea does and where it takes you and just deal with it the next day. Um, so, yeah, that, that does happen.
2: Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So, so, let's talk about cumulonimblers okay. and uh, like how, how that came about.
3: Yeah, all right. Um, so Cumulo Nimblers is this game here. Um, this was part of a collaboration. I'm, I'm kind of trying to learn to collaborate because, like I said, I work by myself in a room, and, and I'm really happy with that workflow. But I, you you may notice that Captain Forever doesn't have particularly detailed art or anything, and I, I kind of there there are skills that I don't have and time that I don't have to get everything done to make a good game. So. Yeah, I'm trying to learn to collaborate. Uh, Meanwhile somebody (coughs) sends an email around saying I'm doing this collaboration project and we get comic book artists and we get game developers and we make them make games together. And so I thought, yeah, that's a perfect opportunity. So I signed up to that. Um, And after bouncing some concepts back and forth through text, we quickly realized that we just weren't going to make any progress unless we just started making something. So uh, he just sort of drew a sketch of what the game could look like, and I started just making things and prototyping them, and we just built rather than talking, which worked much, much better. Um, And yeah, we ended up with this, uh, which I'm pretty happy with. Um, Yeah, fuck it. Um, (laughs) 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 Sorry. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah, okay. Um, so we talked about doing a bunch of different things with this, and toward the end the artist actually came up with, this is before we had the rainbows and the sparkles and things, it was it was a somewhat happy looking game, but it wasn't this, if you play it, it's, it's at least it was my attempt to do something that's just unashamedly cheerful, which is not exactly something that I would be usually comfortable doing, um, but it's really just, hooray, uh, rainbows and shit. Um, and the reason I did that is because at the same time, um, my son had been born. And I couldn't make a sad game at that point. I needed to make something happy. Um, so I did. I made this. Uh, <laughs> and that was really very much just a reflection of, like I don't think I could make a game that is unreservedly happy and cheerful like this now. But at that time, that was the only thing that I could sit down and work on. You just need another song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, like... As you can probably tell in the picture, he was quite unwell. Just was not in a good place. Anyway, he is very happy now.
2: Aww. Uh, and gorgeous. in fact,
3: you mentioned fishy fishy. That's a fishy fishy hat that he's Aww. wearing. It's like it's it's eating head. It is eating his <laughs> head. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to put it's that uh, one because that makes me happy.
2: So, so quite different then from Captain Forever. Mm.
3: Yeah. Mm. So like
2: quite a reflection really of what it was where you were at at the time. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, that was much more direct, I think, because I really like I was consciously making mm. something that was making me feel better.
2: Fantastic. That's, yeah, that's a very beautiful thing. So how then do you feel? So it's been, what, two years now, did you say? Two, three years? Uh,
3: how old am I? Uh, like <laughs> three, four years?
2: <laughs> three, four years. Yeah. So how do you, how do you well, feel like then? like, quit around
3: my 30th birthday. That helped too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: With making the decision. Yep. <laughs> like it right, was table flip. Yeah, was, <laughs> I tried to
3: organise it so my last day was my birthday, but it didn't quite light up. But yeah, oh, that, that was nice. my birthday present to myself.
2: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Sounds like it was a good one. Yeah, I was pretty happy. Um, how, so how do you feel things have changed around you? How, how do you feel that, that um, independent game development has changed over since you first made that decision?
3: Yeah, right. Um, I think that's a tricky question because I find it really hard to see. Independent game development. Like I'm, I'm involved in a bunch of different indie communities and message boards and Skype channels and things, um, and so I see that all the time. It's always in front of me, but I, I can't see the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I can probably guess that uh, sort of production quality has gone up for things like what you would expect to see do well in the IGF, for instance. Um, you expect much higher production qualities there now than you would have a few years ago. Things like that. Um, more people are getting involved, which is um, in a number of ways great, um, but you know, get out of my market, fuck off. <laughs> no, that's, that's, come on in, there's plenty of room. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of people getting into it um, and I, I can't see them all, I can't see everything that's going on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> could you see everything that was could you see more of them for you? I now? felt like
3: I could, but I think that's just because I felt like that it just extended beyond slightly beyond my vision, but mm-hmm. then every time I see something new it's like it's just more so so, so yeah. your
2: feeling is then that it, that it, it it's expanded that more people are becoming independent oh, I think or so, but also it's
3: just, just that I've noticed more yeah, <laughs> and yeah. become aware of more that I didn't know, but yeah, no I think I think it like there was a whole series of opportunities coming up as various sort of online portals and, and other opportunities to make money out of this stuff showed up. And as the communities have gotten bigger, that's really... Yeah, yeah, t- things must have grown. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. But,
3: like, some, some of the booms have also busted. Um, so there was the, oh, everybody's got to make casual games, they're going to be amazing. Oh, everybody's got to make MMOs, they're going to be amazing. Oh, everybody's got to make Facebook games, <laughs> they're going to be amazing. Yeah. And every time, it's like somebody leads the whole thing, does really, really well, and everybody chases, and they don't get that. Um... So, yeah, uh, a few bubbles have burst and a few platforms have sort of exploded, but, but I think there's more people doing it, yeah.
2: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I agree with you about that. Definitely a few bubbles have burst within yeah. it. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, no. you know, due to the evolution, I think. Of yeah. well, what's interesting as in the well bit.
3: is that a few years after, you, you hear about people who are still making casual games and just went, yeah, 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 there was a bubble and it burst and there's still a market there, so I'm still in it. Mm. Um, so as long as most of the people go away... <laughs> <laughs>
2: It'd You're fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I think uh, we need to stop you there okay. just for our one-on-one. Sorry. But thank you so much, Farbz. That was very insightful. Thank you. <laughs> great insight. Okay. <laughs> so next up, let us welcome Andrew Brophy. Um, Andrew is an independent game developer based here in Melbourne. After being part of the game development scene, um, online for almost half his life, Andrew became very much involved in the local scene, having run numerous game jams, including uh, the very successful Tig Jam Australia, and more recently co-founding Hover Garden, which looks spectacular by the way, you guys should definitely look it up, a group that aims to bring more attention to independent games through like, various gatherings like picnics and parties and things like that. And- Whoever's doing the photography also is doing a great job. It's it's great. Chad. It's right there. Nice work. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very nice. The site's lovely. Um, yeah, so uh, Andrew's also an avid fan of rapid game development, having developed roughly 80 games throughout the past few years, which is incredible. Uh, the more notable projects have been featured in various, on various websites, including indiegames.com, Rock Paper Shotgun, and GameSpot, as well as magazines such as at Hyper, Hyper and PC PowerPlay. Andrew is currently working on, a more long, on more long-term projects, such as Tashikawa 2? <laughs> two? Uh, Tashikawa 2. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, good, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, a remix of the two t- 2009 t- title, uh, Takishawa is Dead. Right. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Okay, so can we welcome Andrew, please? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so the story with you is a little bit different, right? I guess so. Okay, so you uh, haven't quite made that the decision as yet, or you're not like him, not in the position as yet to kind of go full time. To leap off the think? edge. <laughs> um, I guess so. Yeah. So tell us a bit then about like your your work life balance with like being indie creative.
4: Yeah, sure. Like, so I have two full time jobs. Not full time, sorry, but like two jobs to kind of support making games which I kind of guess I do as a hobby because I've kind of always had that mm-hmm. like, I guess a fear in a way of actually putting a barrier between like the games that I make and the audience of actually having to pay for it so like basically what I've been doing as a hobby instead is like making flash games because you can still earn money through sponsorship through that but like you get paid from a company to actually uh, like release the game and they just put their ads and whatever in it and there's actually no barrier between you and the player so that's kind of like what I'm aiming for with actually releasing it, but obviously I haven't made the right game yet, <laughs> I think.
2: Okay, yeah. fantastic. All right, yeah. so Shall I
4: probably get more into like how I started? Yeah, please. Yeah. I made like a full slide list. <laughs> There's visuals <laughs> like, with this No, bit. I, I like really went for it, question mark and all. So like... <laughs> 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 Sorry, I was actually meant to go to this. It's like, who am I? Oh,
2: no. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
4: so like, I think like what you're saying of like having a bit of a different situation, it's kind of like... I think I kind of like grew up in a bit of a different sort of way. So I was like, my family kind of owned a circus, <laughs> <laughs> and like, for a while, like that post is like really old, and it says like over hundred years there. So like, I think it's one hundred and fifty now. But anyway, so like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> cool, huh? So like, back from that. So like, I. Th- <laughs> it's impact. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I am like wearing makeup, and that's fire. It's not meant to be like all deep with black and white, it's just really hard to get like a photo of juggling fire with colour. It just, it looks bad.
2: You can juggle fire. This is that's not me me thing right I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like surprised. <laughs> yeah, like it's hard to Hold tell down. like the makeup and stuff, but that is me. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Yeah, Please so carry like, on. no, so like,
4: and that was my whole life. I, my family had it for years and years and years, and I grew up doing that, right? And I think that kind of like obviously gave me a bit of a different perspective, I guess, on like how things work, because like, I was traveling pretty much every week going all different places and I never obviously went to school as well so like I did that all by myself as well or like with the occasional like family that would join that had people doing the same thing but like people like kind of come and go and I was kind of like really used to not always having that consistency with anything so like obviously that kind of like that's how I kind of got into actually like making games I guess because like you can kind of play them yourself as well like it kind of makes sense for your games again oh yeah so like obviously my family were also really like late into getting computers as well. Like I think it was two thousand when we first got one, and like the only the really games they let us play were like kind of creative ones, like SimCity, or like the SimCity. Then there's ones like Heroes of Might and Magic. Like those are the sort of games I really were into because like I really like this whole maps kind of feel to things as well. And like more specifically, level editors. Like as soon as I figured out you could make your own stuff with games, I kind of just went with it. Yeah. Like this game was great. You could make everything. Right, like there was all these cool maps, and then eventually there was like, I sort of got into games like this as well, but it kind of died off kind of quickly around this point. But like with games like Age of Empires and Age of Mythology, you could get like your own kind of camera setup, and you could make your own scenarios, It was really cool. And like it made me feel like I was actually making games. I also love Donkey Kong, <laughs> but like Clearly. no, because like I remember this was—I have this really vivid memory of when my parents first got a computer. I think it was like early two thousands. I think probably year two thousand. I think they of y Y two K. But, like, I, I, I'm serious. So, like, <laughs> I think they were really scared. So, I draw, like, all these maps for, like, Donkey Kong because I had this belief, of, like, when we were getting our computer that you could, like, draw your own maps and then, like, slide them magically in through the back of the computer and it would just appear on screen and then you, like, pinpoint, like, how to make it or something. That's kind of how I make games now, actually. But, like... <laughs> so it
2: stayed with you, clearly. Yeah, like, yeah. this memory's
4: really vivid and I was really yeah. young when it happened and, like, I just remember so specifically, I was like, Donkey Kong would be cool, but it'd be cool if you could, like... There are other animals, and then they made sequels, so it was good. But yeah, so that's kind of like how I guess I got into it, like that way. But like, I never actually knew much about actually like making them my own. Like, I tried like things like RPG Maker and stuff, which make really specific things and try and make it really easy to do that, but it just didn't work. But then like I, I used to read this magazine called Total Gamer, right? also excuse the really bad quality. That's like foots online. But um, they, they ran this competition called Design a Game where you just write up like an idea and like draw pictures and stuff. But at this point, I found this program called Game Maker, which actually like made it obviously really easy to make games. And I, I made this really like cheap like Pikmin ripoff. And I submitted it and it actually won. Right? Like, no, it won. And, <laughs> and the thing is like I felt really happy about that. It was really cool that I actually I made something and they said it was really cool that I actually went through the effort to make it. But then they actually said the game was awful. <laughs> like it was like no, it was really great for me. Like because otherwise I would have got a huge ego from it. But like they really pushed me down and said it was like awful. It was like the worst thing they've ever played. <laughs> but because, no, because I only won just because I put the effort in. <laughs> That's the thing.
2: <laughs> You've actually got one of those efforts. Yeah,
4: like because everyone just wrote up ideas and stuff. I actually made all the graphics. I did everything and just made a really awful game. Like I was twelve and I knew nothing about making games. Just I played them a lot and th- thought I could do it. Right, so. I won, and they sent me a prize, which was a game called Rub Rabbits. Right. At like, 12. Yeah, you know, at 12, <laughs> they sent me this, and, like, it was confusing. <laughs> it was a really confusing game, like, there's that, does that, this, oh, it opens like this, and it's like, it's an old DS game, it's like one of the first few they made that was really, like, not a Nintendo-only game. And it comes with a warning that says, like, be aware of, like, excessive poking in public or something, and shows, like, a drawing of a guy, like, doing this, like, trying to hide himself playing the game. So it was really scary, and there's also this from it as well. So you play as that guy as well. Basically, the idea is actually you have to like you like fall in love with this girl, and at the same time, eleven other guys do, and you all like compete for affection. It's really weird. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they sent me this, and I think like in a way, first winning this competition and then actually receiving this as like an award for making games, it's kind of (laughs) like it just clicked with me. Like, so I should probably keep doing this. And so, like, these are, like, some of the things I've made. I think you can kind of really see, like, a comparison of, like, the visual style of things I've made with that. Feel <laughs> so, yeah, like, obviously, the colours and stuff. And, like, yeah, I think that's just kind of, like, that mentality of, like, how I actually just won something and got this reward and people actually were, like, you suck, but I think you could be better. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm trying to prove that guy wrong still.
2: <laughs> so it all began with your Encouragement Award and yeah, the game. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Okay, great. So, <laughs> wow, that's. Quite Sorry, a story. I,
4: I, I talk too much for that. I don't even know what the next slide is.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> the element of surprise. Um, okay, so, so for yourself then, because you are kind of like at the moment, I guess, like to an extent on the mm. fringes, you're making yeah. a lot of stuff, and your your games are quite like well recognised. You made some really beautiful things, yeah. like you know, like obviously, like, I was playing Old Man Baby mm. last night, and it's amazing for those of you who haven't played it yet. Give it a go; it's a really, really <laughs> groovy game. Um, so, but so, looking at it, I guess from you're you're not by any means on the outside, but you are kind of on the edges at the moment. Like, what what does indie mean to you at this point in time?
4: I don't know. Like, obviously, back then when I started making stuff like this, I had like this really closed minded kind of view on it mm-hmm. because like I was only really in like communities that were based around making like like using Game Maker and actually just people who made stuff with that mm-hmm. and it felt really close-minded and really, like, I thought I was really succeeding somewhere and I thought like, like I was actually getting somewhere with making like, indie games and stuff and I thought like, maybe I was actually getting a name for myself and I could actually keep doing this. But then like, as I said, like, I started making games that actually like, got recognition outside of these kind of communities and like a lot of recognition for like, some of them and it made me kind of like this whole like, view of like, like indie games and stuff kind of just really expanded really quickly. And so, like, it, it's like it kind of, um, it kind of actually kind of made me like really concerned about actually making things in a way. In what sense? Like, like as I said, like I made like a lot of games, like as I said, like eighty, but like they're all really small, like couple of hours sort of things, like jam games or like really tiny kind of experiments or something, I guess. And it, it kind of like, I kind of had like reevaluate, I guess, how, how like I made things, and it made me like. Not feel great about like releasing kind of games and working on small things like because everyone else was doing all these really great projects and like these really cool things are happening and I felt like I wasn't getting them myself, so like don't even know how to properly explain this. So (laughs) Um, so I made this game right, Uh, Takasho is Dead, which was like the one that got really like a lot of recognition. Like I just I made it in about I think three four days and. Like, it suddenly got, like, I think, like, the last count I had was about 800,000 downloads. Nice. Yeah, like, just out of nowhere. And, like, I don't think it's a very good game. Like, it was just around the... No, it isn't. It's, like, I released it in, I think, 2009. It was just at that time where there was, like, a lot of these really kind of, like, games that looked really, I guess, arty. Mm -hmm. And, like, people kind of branded them as, like, like, trying to rip off art games. Mm. But it was actually really hard and people kind of hated that. So, like, I really wanted to, like, at this point kind of work on other things because there's was like people making cool games but I wanted to kind of branch out and make kind of like actually kind of get more involved in like the scene of like both online and then the past couple of years like in the local community. Mm-hmm. So I stopped actually kind of like making games for like quite a while. Um, and then like recently like in the past two years as I said like I got more involved I started trying to do things like like run game jams for example like those are the sort of things that I thought like I felt really like like myself there like it was one of the few sort of situations. So like yeah, I helped run TIG Jam, which was a great success, and I also like as I said Hover Garden, which was the thing we ran. Like I wanted to try and like just make things. No sorry, try and like um, like get involved with the community and kind of give back to it and contribute without directly making things. So I could kind of figure that out for myself, because mm-hmm. like I think like the like definition of indie kind of blurred a lot for me, and I didn't exactly know what it meant.
2: How, how how do you feel about it now? How has it changed for you?
4: I don't know. Like I think it's it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like it's weird that you can buy like Angry Bird socks, yeah. but like it's also really cool that like people do know about these kind of games and like it's not like a weird thing like bringing up games. Like I know that it's like slightly larger like games like Fez, for example, or like people know what they are and they mm-hmm. are indie. But I think right now it's not so much like it's more of, like a style now, I guess like saying the game looks indie or like it feels indie, whereas like it technically isn't.
2: So, yeah. so so you're saying that like now when we use the term indie, we could we can be referring to more the feel or the style of a game, yeah. you know, outside of, you know, how it actually the mode of production. Yeah, exactly. So like
4: I don't think it means like how it was produced so much more as like, I guess, aesthetics as well that are in it. And like... Like, a AAA company could make all the exact same decisions as someone who just made the game on their own, but their game wouldn't technically be indie by, like, those sort of standards if it's by how it's produced.
2: But yet people can have conversations about it referring to it as being indie because it's, you know, it, it has a certain feel about it, right? Yeah, so
4: it. it feels more like how people would refer to indie music as opposed to, like, an indie film or an indie game, like, by those old definitions.
2: So why, why do you feel that it's that um, that independent development is heading in that direction, or that indie games or the the field of those games is heading in that direction?
4: I think it's because making games is a lot more accessible now, like the barrier of entry, Mm -hmm. like artistically. There's so many different programs and frameworks and that that'll actually allow you to make games. And people... There's obviously all these sites and other avenues where people can actually release them. So, like, it's just exploding of people actually coming in and making games. And it's just... That's where it's blurring because obviously, like... It's such a big thing, like this whole indie game movement that, like, obviously... Companies kind of are trying to like buy into that mm-hmm. by doing things by like claiming their games are kind of indie, mm-hmm. with things like there was like the THQ indie bundle like for the Humble Bundle and that sort of thing, which people had a lot of problems with.
2: Yeah, which is entirely yeah. fair enough. Actually.
4: Yeah, exactly. So like with that, I don't think like it's to say like something's not indie or it is, but I think it's more it's just a definition change of the word.
2: Yeah, and so and there are a lot of gray areas as well mm-hmm. within indie development, especially like over the last few years, yeah. where you've got you know obviously. Um, games like journey becoming mm. immensely popular you know and really selling and um you know so what what happens then I guess you know posing this question what happens when you know if if you are and you're an indie development and you are you know producing games at a certain level and one of them just one of them takes off you know mm. do do you think like does it change for you then
4: so like that's why I think it's like such a problem with it the lines blurring like I remember really like vividly back when I was like like checking out new sites and stuff and seeing like people working on things. I remember like Minecraft was in development and it was still like called Cave Game. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like on some IRC like like notch the developer was like talking about it. And it like back then it was just like some guy working on a game but then it like it kind of exploded and it's become what it is now. And like people still finding it kind of hard to find like that game being called indie, which is also really weird. So yeah. <laughs>
2: I think that could be one of the, the issues with the way in which we, we use and define the term as well is that um, mm. there, there, there perhaps you know, it needs to be an acknowledgement of the grey areas yeah. within it and um, how things have developed and like, the notion of you know, financially independent studios versus mm. indie studios and things like that. Because you know, obviously, as you say, it's, there's been a lot more development within, the, um, within that, that landscape mm-hmm. over the last few years or so. You know? So where do, where do you see yourself fitting into it?
4: Like no, I guess I was trying to find like a um, like not feeling comfortable with like putting barriers between players. I don't like I don't actually particularly care about defining what an indie developer is, because like once people figure out like a perfect definition, it won't change anything. Mm. So like as long as I can kind of keep making games, I'll kind of be happy, because mm-hmm. like being indie kind of means you kind of like you it's it's all like on you. If you're not liking the project you're on, you can just. You can scrap it or you can change it, like especially if you work by yourself. Like there's you can you have complete control over it. And that's probably why I'd never actually want to work for a company, or like it's why I'm probably not so great on teams as well, because I've like got such a like a strong artistic influence on what I do. So I don't know where I see myself going, but I think I just wanna keep making games, personally. I think
2: that's a wonderful place to start. Yeah. <laughs> like,
4: I don't know what kind, as long as, like, if I could support myself through doing it, then that would be perfect.
2: Okay. And so what's what's the process like for you then? Because we were talking, like, you know, obviously with, with mm-hmm. Fabs about the fact that it can be, at times, a relatively lonely thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you are of, you know, we're talking about defining Indian, I think, the whole notion is that, like you know, you know, may, perhaps we can't really define mm-hmm. it because there are so many different ways to work within it. So you can be working, obviously, for a small independent company, and you know you, you're constantly working with other people. But so many people, you know, within Indian development also are working on their own, mm-hmm. and um, like you know, which you you're currently doing mm-hmm. as well. And so does it become? I guess I don't. I I'm hesitant to use the word lonely because mm. that, that's probably not really what I'm trying to get at. But is there a feeling ever of, like, you know, that you you become hyper-aware that you're working alone?
4: Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. it's definitely, like, a really socially restricting thing if you try and work on games, like, full-time or even just as, like, a hobby and you do it, like, non-stop. Like, I've, I've felt that a lot, definitely. Yeah. So, like, there was one game, actually, I know I have a slide for, called Glumbuster. And, like, basically the game's obviously got this really intentional like a depression kind of vibe to it because obviously you're you're a detective who has to get rid of all the glum in the world and the gloom and all that. Wow. Right, so it has obviously that, that really heavy tone of depression and like I kind of I kind of believe that like no matter what kind of game you make if you're like making a game pretty much by yourself you're making a game about yourself in, to some capacity. Mm-hmm. Right, so like you can kind of see with this like you can find the developers kind of probably feeling that sort of that lonely vibe or probably even feeling depressed and like, in the credits, he actually thanks everyone that he had no time to, like, see while making the game because he got so immersed in it. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing.
2: So can it be yeah. quite cathartic then making a game on your own? I think so. I think you definitely yeah. need
4: to try and balance, like, just seeing people and not getting stuck in ruts and just continually working. Yeah. You need to maintain a social life or just at least go outside.
2: But it can also be a good release, I guess, for things that you're feeling at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. like Because it's you're doing it on your own. You have no interference from anyone else to... Yeah, well, fantastic. Okay, so can you take us just briefly? We've only got another few minutes left like, with you, but can you take us through a creative process of a couple of the games yeah. that you've made, or sure. maybe, perhaps just one in particular, maybe your favourite one?
4: I don't have favourites. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I, I'll, what I can do. I could just point out each of these and just describe a bit about them.
2: That would be great.
4: Okay, so like I've noticed this really like this theme with a lot of the games I make. Um, so. And this yellow one down here with the rabbit, you're a rabbit who's looking for a party, but like no one else knows about it. It's your own party. What? <laughs> so he's lost. Uh, Tells this game here Takashiro is dead. Everyone's looking for someone you don't know anything about, right? So that's lost and confusing again. Um, what else? This one's kind of obscured over here with like the, the brown and the blue. This guy's mm-hmm. lost his house, and you don't even know what he's doing. Um, I don't know what I was thinking then. Uh, then there's like a lot of games about like shooting stuff. I don't I don't really have any sort of particular like need for violence. I don't know what that's about. Um, Old Man Baby's just a mess. And this game down the bottom left is actually about losing uh, basically a King Kong ripoff. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 yes. The rest are pretty much rubbish. <laughs> All right, well, um, wow, fantastic! Yeah. Yeah,
4: okay. <laughs> if, if I could, because like I've got like several other slides, I'd like to end on like some good notes. Um, this is a quote that's actually on ananthrapure's site. Do you guys know of her? I'm hoping. Yeah. Cool. This is like her like said website's title, and like I've seen it for like years and years and years, and it always like it really resonated with me like this quote. And then there's also one from TikToks, which I like.
2: Fantastic. Right. Thank you. for okay. we'll okay. End on that note. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank oh, yeah. you. Okay, so up next we have Yang Chen Lee, uh, And uh, Yang Chen has shown a great interest in art since a very young age. After finishing high school, Yang Chen travelled to Melbourne to study her bachelor degree and major in animation at Quantum College. After graduating, Yang Chen started her artist career as the lead artist for the Voxel agents but is now working as a freelance illustrator and animator across various platforms including games books and magazines so she's like yeah, young kids much more of an indie creative I guess yeah. like in that sense or yeah. not not more so than the other guys but like working like less so in games and more in like you know across the Everything. field yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's passionate to realize her dream of having her own animation studio which One would be fantastic day. She celebrates the beauty of colour and story in her work, mostly through the female form, and tries to expand her ability on on storytelling through her illustrations. Okay, thank you.
5: Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Louder. (laughs) Just kidding. It's all good. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Laura. Uh, So, as she mentioned, my name is Yang Tian Li, but you can just call me Tian because it's easier. Um, And then I would just be talking about my personal uh, experience throughout the sort of within the topic of being an indie kind of thing. Um, And yeah, let's get started. So this is when I graduated um, and I sort of get my first job through voxel Agents um, through this job, uh, sorry, through those works. Oh my God, I'm kind of nervous. I don't know why, but... (laughs) probably it kind of sucks to be the last one cause mm-hmm. see like that boss, like really relaxed. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well like, you know, during all this time I was sitting there like that and Fabs was like, <laughs> 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 and <just> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I worked for the Vauxhall agents. Um, basically I, yeah, I actually had this pretty funny interview with them. It was my first interview. I was really nervous and then I prepared lots of questions. And then the next day I go there and they were like, so what do you think of yourself as a person? And I'm like, "Should I didn't prepare that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, um, I'm pretty funny. <laughs> and then I got hired because of that. <laughs> Anyway, so I sort of worked on their um, flagship title, which is train conductor Two USA. And I sort of did, but during that time, when I get onto uh, these works, it's the game is already finished and it's published. So all I did was lots of updating, but those uh, images were created by me, except the character concept was already done. So it was just passed on to me. And then same, uh, it's just a, Another bunch of backgrounds that I worked on. Um, again the art style wasn't set by me but um, I kind of have to sort of create those art within the style that they sort of asked for um, and then we sort of moved on to a bunch of new projects, um, not really new projects but prototypes. Um, the Vox agents tend to make a lot of prototypes before they totally get committed to a single type of game that they really want to develop. So, um, these were just some concepts and some more concepts and, uh, some more concepts and they were all gone. (laughs) Um, and then, so sort of like, it's kind of like a story with this one because it's kind of like, um, we worked on this for a very, very long time. Um, very, very long, but, like three months for just exploring the art themes, and then we sort of settled on this guy. And then another three months um, after working on this, um, and then this concept got ditched again, and I was like, ah, oh, frustrating. Sorry, guys, <laughs> I'm gonna just do my own thing. <laughs> so, um, here is when I sort of started my freelancing. So that
2: actually, can we rewind? Can we go back uh, to yeah, your sure. decision to leave, yeah, yeah, yeah. to, lead, to yeah. become independent? Can we uh-huh. hear a bit more about that? Is that possible? Oh,
5: okay. Um, anything particular?
2: No, 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 <laughs> no, particular about, like, you know, but why did you make that particular, like, decision to, yeah, to well,
5: leave a, a, a stable job and go for that? Yeah, me. yeah, sorry. Um, during that time, I just started to realise that even though I was working for an independent game company, I wasn't working for myself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, because the eventually the art theme that they wanted was not what I wanted, it's an art theme that I wasn't all that interested to be working on, well I like something like this which is um, for me it's very personal, it's kind of cutesy and it's like you know like colourful and um, I really enjoyed having a character but then the thing they were going for, because it's a puzzle game, they want it to be simple, it's uh, fully polished, like you know those uh, very hyper-realistic game graphics that just looks like a real object. So, um, I mean, it's really popular on iPhone and it totally makes sense why they're going for that. But for me, personally, um, it was a project that I sort of dedicated a lot of my effort into it and a lot of my love. So when this concept got ditched, I was I, I was just actually really frustrated during that time. Yeah. And, then, um, and then I thought, um, well, if it's actually a game that people look at it, people would, wouldn't would sort of see me through the game, then there's no point for me to actually work on it because I want to work on something that I love and I enjoy working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I thought, well, I just better do my own thing then. So that was kind so of... So you, you wanted,
2: effectively, you wanted more creative control.
5: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, more yeah. More well, creative. I was actually the only artist. Mm-hmm. But then, um, again, I have directors that was giving me directions. And, um, I, well, I, I did have lots of freedom, but eventually they sort of settled down on this one thing where probably out of 10 things I don't really like. One particular thing, and then I was like, "Well, if I am the one who's going to be making it, then there's no point for you to choose something that I don't enjoy." Mm. And plus, the pay was kind of no good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, and, and of course, and of course, you realise that like working, um, working, and working as part of any team is going to be like, in a sense, is going to be similar to that, um, you know. And so, I'm, I'm guessing that's why you made the decision to
5: yeah, well, it, it just co- totally depends on the team because I think my background with the other people at the Voxel agents were quite different, apparently. And yeah. <laughs> um, but then uh, I, I tend to like a lot of uh, characters, stories, because um, I sort of come from more of a movie or comic kind of background, even though I do play lots of games, but I enjoy RPG games most. But the, um, what is it, the the director was actually totally against playing RPG games, he's like, I don't like RPG games. So we were having fights kind of about RPG games all the time. I'm like, RPG games are awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, so, and we see though, to have more creative control was part of the decision that you made to to go independent rather than go and work for another studio again or anything like that. Like you clearly wanted Um, to have more creative control. I did
5: work for other independent Mm -hmm. studios. But it was more um, like I, I got the right to reject what project that I don't want to be working yeah. on and what projects I want to be working on. So that was kind of...
2: But now you've ended up freelance completely?
5: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: fantastic. All right, well, the, perhaps you can walk us through yeah, sure. the rest of it. Yeah,
5: um, sure. So this one, again, I was actually working for another studio. And what you see right here is totally not what's in the end. <laughs> um, just because I wanted to show this character, because it's still kind of me, um, and the background was sort of kept in the end, um, but then the characters were totally ditched after the animation was made. It sounds so bitter and sour, <laughs> 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 but it's all good. Um, I'm over it now. But during that time, it was kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, it was it was again the same situation. I was. At first, I thought I got full control. I can just make whatever I want. And then in the end, you know, just things got totally changed. And I was like, well, I just have to be professional. And I just need to get the work done. And uh, it was actually really stressful again. It was just working on something that I wasn't interested in And just working on something for the sake of getting the project done and get the bills paid. Um, and I was... Um, I was almost to the point where I start to doubt myself, like do I really want to do this? Do I really enjoy it? And because during this time, during the day I was working on this and then when I get back, I work on some other freelancing works for books or magazines. So um oh yeah. And 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 then and then I sort of uh and then I was also working on the side uh on this project which is another indie game and uh, this one I actually really enjoyed working on, but it was uh, sort of, well, how can I, say it's a, can I say it's a non-paid project? But basically it's four of us sharing the profit of the game. Right, okay. so, um, so there's one game designer, two programmers, and artists, and we're sort of just making this in our spare time. And it's very hard to actually motivate ourselves because we all got all sorts of other jobs to do. But when we actually get time and working on this, it's much more enjoyable than actually working on other things for particular clients or a company just because um, they would actually leave the whole sort of art direction to me instead of someone else saying, Oh, you need to draw this like that and you need to draw that like that. So this is really fun. Um, actually, working
2: on. So you're working as part of a collective.
5: Yeah, that. yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. we're sort of um, working on most of this stuff online, and we're sort of using Teambox, like in Dropbox, um, as part of our routine thing. Um, and then I was working on this. Uh, f- actually, this was during all. All of this are sort of at the same time <laughs> kind of going on. Um, this is another in uh, independent games that's not currently out um, uh, on Facebook. And then um, the client is actually uh, sort of just, he he was very interested in sort of playing this kind of game, which is kind of card-ish game. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, collecting heroes and characters and all that. And then he basically commissioned me to work on those illustrations. And he actually get a bit of funding from some sponsors that he has. So that's not entirely independent, I guess, which is kind of interesting as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was working on a couple of uh, independent, op- uh, independent books. So these are like independent um, book publishers, which is like the author themselves. Just, it's just kind of like someone wants to write a book, write a story for yourself. And then they commissioned me to do the covers or the, uh, interior illustrations for it. Hmm. And then I also worked on some magazine stuff, um, uh, more magazine stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like after all that, uh, just like when I was working on this game, again, I, I got really stressful, uh, stressed and, and I just decided that I need to stop this because I start to question myself. And, uh, um, I sort of just, I think it was July last year, I stopped all this work, like all this work (laughs) was sort of paused, um, and this was finished, but then, um, and then I start to work on my personal art, just purely personal art, I gave myself three months and just, um, also I was very lucky to have my family support me, so I was just having those three months working on um, personal paintings that I just really enjoying and all of a sudden I feel so much better because I I really do enjoy working on this and I I kind of find my passion back. Kind of like my fire was sort of burning out and then it sort of get back up. And then um yeah, just working on more personal stuff, just it's it's for nothing but I just really enjoying it.
2: So then did the the decision to become independent in your craft, has, has that benefited your work? You feel it has benefited your work?
5: Um, Yeah, I think so. I think um, being independent, it just means, I mean, especially when I'm working on my personal artwork, I can sort of set myself a challenge for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, I mean, if I was working for someone else, I can't actually make that decision to say, look, in this next painting, I am going to experiment with this particular technique. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you're in a work situation and all they want is the final product. You can't have the time to actually muck around with whatever you want to muck around. Um, So in the end, uh, working on personal paintings, I tend to have a lot more improvements in the process. And because I set myself a task and I, eventually when I finish it I, I can feel very good about it and it's kind of like my own product it's my own sort of point of view um, it's my it's just something that I'm really enjoying and it's more like a hobby rather than actual work even though it is kind of work just because I'm a professional <laughs> artist <laughs> um, yeah so just more personal work and more personal work And that's it. (laughs) Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so just I guess yeah, a quick question to ask you about. So, what does what does being independent then mean to you as as an artist? You know, we've we've talked to like you know the game designer, but what What does it mean to you as an
5: artist? Well, for me, I think it's someone or a team that wants to express a particular point of view. Um, they want. They have this particular thing that they want to express. They want to show the other people. They they really enjoy this this thing, and they just want to share it to the others. Um, yeah, I, I think I think for me, being indie, it's kind of like almost a kind of like a art itself. Um, just because it's so um, it's too it's almost describing yourself rather than anything else. Like, I think, I think there's no point being indie, but, but actually working on a game and um, that's sort of catering for everybody in the whole world. Um, for me, I, I, my personal point of view on this is that I want to make something that I really enjoy making and I really enjoy playing and I want to show it to people who love it as well. Yeah, so that's... Does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, you know, it does. It does perfectly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay,
2: okay so now um, we're going to get these guys all together and we're going to have a bit of a panel session for the next 25 or so minutes. Uh, we'll open up to general questions in a moment, but first of all, I have a question for the panel um, that I'd, I'd like to hear explored, I guess. you know, um, And so... How do how do you guys feel or think that? Uh, what do you feel or think is the difference between being an, uh, an indie creative in games and being independently creative in something like you know film or music or you know art? Uh, I guess you can speak to both of these. Is there a difference? Mm. It Seems to me there is, but
5: I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I personally don't find there's that much difference just because. I kind of see independent games as a form of art as Mm -hmm. well, because it's to express their own point of view, like I said before, like, um, or, you know, just something unique about yourself, and it shows part of yourself in the whole product. And so art is the same thing. It's, It's a particular view that you want to express, a vision that you really want other people to see. So for me, I think it just is the same thing in the end. Yeah I, see.
4: yeah. I kind of agree. I think games definitely are considered art. Like to me, um, the only difference is obviously how people interact with them. I think is how I would define it as different. Because like the definition I have for games is an experience defined by rules, mm-hmm. which I think are a bit harder to portray in
2: films or art. So, that's, but what about the difference yeah. between, let's say, being an independent filmmaker, being an independent game maker?
4: As in, like I mean, how how they uh, like approach that process. Yes.
2: Yeah. I guess.
4: You can make really good games by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. true. You well, don't, well, you, you can not just prove. use a camera yeah. and shoot yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like,
5: yeah Making. Mm-hmm. That's
2: <laughs> that's a that's a very good point. Definitely. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, so I was uh, talking to Paul up there before this and he mentioned the idea of people starting to make games about making games, much like there are a million movies about being in the movie industry and a million books about being interested in literature. Um, And that, I think, actually does reflect a lot on what you see in in games in general and also in sort of indie games that a lot of it really does... Because especially in indie games, it's to some degree, uh, if it's a small team, it's going to be a reflection of the individual then you see a lot of reflections of, um, I guess, middle-class white dudes who like computers, (laughs) Um, which is a real shame. And it would be really great, I think, if we could start to see more and more people getting interested and involved. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) There's not much I can do about it personally. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But but yeah, and and I think that's that's sort of one of the things that you start to see about, if, if you're starting to see indie games, as a whole, mm-hmm. and what they reflect, and how they communicate things differently, I think that's probably a contributing factor.
2: I think if, I think you definitely could be right. Culturally, there's a lot of yep. like you know, I guess like uh, embedded within the culture, there's a lot of differences hmm. between them. Um, so yeah, and, and I believe like your point as well of saying that you don't necessar- I mean, look, you don't necessarily need a huge crew to make an indie movie hmm. either, but it really helps. It's it's quite, it's a lot more difficult to do. I've seen people pick up games, like making games, and the first game they ever made was brilliant. Yeah.
4: Like, it's so easily accessible now with things like Twine and and Stencil and Game Maker and Flashpunk and all that, that, like, make games so easy to make. It's so easy for people to share these experiences.
3: (laughs) Excellent. It's (laughs) interesting as well, because it's usually a lot easier to make a game by yourself rather than with the team. Mm. Mm -hmm. At least that's my experience. (laughs) Yes. Why so? Um... Selfish. <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> I find collaboration difficult, difficult because, like, like you said, you get very frustrated when you're being told to change what's your vision. Yeah, but yeah. when you've got two people trying to make the same thing, they're always going to see something different in their heads yeah. until you're finished. Uh-huh. And it's, it's like, I guess you can make choices about how you do your demarcation about <laughs> who gets to choose what and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's hard. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's hard.
2: Is that? Do you feel so? You feel that's one of the benefits of being.
1: Yeah, you can make it all yourself. Developer. It's
2: yeah. nice. You get to be like King
5: Farbs. <laughs> King Farbs. Yeah, I've built
3: yeah. myself a throne, but nobody else can see it because yeah. I'm <laughs> in the room by myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: a beautiful thing.
5: I suppose the only sort of fallback is that it tends to be so long. I think mean, the developing process. That's why I. Making illustrations rather than making a game because making a full game it takes forever. But you know if it's just one piece of art, it tends to be that not that long. You know, one or two weeks. I can see the final product and I can put it to somewhere to show people. But if it's a game, there's this this long process where you're doing design and then you're doing code and you're doing art and you know it's just so long. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and you can work independently of others for a very long time in that process as well. I guess. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what we might do is um, throw to you guys for questions. That's cool. So um, are we good? Okay. Right here. We have it. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take
3: long. I'd like to thank you guys. It's been really, really
6: interesting hearing all your different perspectives. Cool. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the two most uninteresting conversations um, in games at the moment is what is indie and are games art? And and we've brought both of them up tonight. (laughs) But I may be wrong
3: Um, if it's an interesting conversation. I'd like to know when do terms like serious games and art games and indie games cease to become useful and are they useful to you?
5: Tough question.
4: Can I just input that I don't think any of these words are useful now? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, because, like, we can try and define anything that we make, but I don't think it'll get us anywhere. It won't change what it is, and it won't change how people see it, whether people, everyone thinks it's art or no one does. Yeah?
2: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Did
5: you Agreed. want to say something? Oh, no, I said okay.
3: I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so, I think, I mean, we all know that English is a fluid language, blah blah, and, and terms show up and start to exist because we're trying to express something, um, which is why these terms all exist. Um, but yeah, the, the, the problem can come with when people decide to start gatekeeping terms and defining what is and isn't art and, and bullshit like that. Um, so, I, I would just ignore those people. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, if you can communicate with somebody who's using, you know, the same vocabulary as you and you understand what each other mean, then that's fine. I mean, it, it does actually become a bit of a problem when, when you start to see things like you know somebody will have an art grant and they go, oh, you can't make video games with an art grant; you have to do a painting or some other thing that my friends do. <laughs> um, those people are just assholes. But, yeah. <laughs>
6: Hello. Whoa. Um, yeah, so thanks, guys. It was really great to hear all of you talk. Um, so my question is, um, it's a little bit sort of long-winded and sort of two-pronged, but um, so one thing I noticed while listening to the two guys talk um, was that it, there's this sort of vibe coming across in in both of your works that's um, like really fine artsy. So um, anyone that's ever studied art, kind of, you know, you look at Andy Warhol, you look at um, you know, famous artists, and they all—they always do things re- repetitiously. It's like, okay, so here's like a study of faces for like three years of my <laughs> life, or here's a study of depression for like two years of my life. Um, and I kind of see that in both of your, um, you know, your approaches. So, and which is really um, enlightening and eye-opening for me because I never really thought of indie games as something that, that do that it's sort of, you know, games are your experience is kind of how I used to approach it, but. Games as art is clearly something that's, you know, worth, talk, worth talking about. But my question is, um, you know, where do you see it sort of going? I mean, in the end, the artists, usually they just evolve and they evolve and they evolve and then they die. But games is kind of different, right? Like, it kind of has an evolution and is going places. So where do you see indie games like 10 years from now?
2: That
4: guy's looking at me.
6: <laughs>
2: is the other artier one?
4: Yes. I, I, I forever
3: well, thanks, but it's a commercial product. It's not arty. Go on, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No.
4: no, I just wasn't ready. I was like, for you. No, I purposely admitted it, but, like, I do this thing of every single game I've made, every character has, like, a nose pretty much double the size of their head. So I think that was, like, kind of what you're saying about how they keep doing the same thing over and over. I think I'm trying to, like, define the perfect nose in games. <laughs> So I think like in 10 years, indie games will have better noses. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: think we've probably both experienced that you make a lot of games and a lot of them you show people and release them and they just sink quietly to the bottom yeah. of the internet and you never hear, hear of them again. Um,
4: Can I just interject for a second? Yeah. There was this really cool thing a couple of years ago. There was this website called pig Scene, which was like, have you heard of it Yeah, I love PigScene. I song. got yeah. written about it on Basically, no, it's called the pretentious indie gamer scene. They basically <laughs> just rip into anyone that's basically successful in making indie games. Like, there was so many great articles. Like, they even wrote raps. They were great. But they had this thing every once in a while they did the indie game bingo, where, like, they show all these themes that, like, every single indie game that's being released did. <laughs> and it, it nailed it every single time. But yeah. 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 <laughs> you should just pig scene look it up. It's great.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Um... I don't know, I I guess I don't see um, games as really all that different from any form, we all learn from each other, and I have no idea where it's going, (laughs) just none.
2: (laughs) Do do you think there's a chance that um, indie games will not exist in 10 years, in the form that they're in now, indie game development in the form it's in now? I think we might change the
3: words, but...
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: People still make games.
2: And the words—I mean, the words are changing now. That's what we're discussing, you know. Tonight, (laughs) obviously, there's a lot of grey areas, and it's all very subjective.
3: I, I, I think if people don't want to play games in 10 years' time, something catastrophic has happened. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so we we have other things to worry about. I I yeah, but people will still or make little ones because game. I don't think we're going to lose the ability yeah. to do that unless mm. like, the operating system vendors really start cracking down <laughs> on people being able to make and distribute their work, which is starting <laughs> to happen. It's a real That's,
2: shit. It is starting to happen.
3: Um, yeah. But I think there will always be some opportunities to make things and show your friends at least and... Yeah, it'll be around. I mean, in, indie games were around a long time before the indie game scene as we know it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there were various iterations. Of, there was a public domain scene in the like early yeah. 90s and things like that. Um, so, yeah,
2: yeah,
3: I think it'll be around.
1: Great. G'day. Um, is indie games mostly useful as a like
3: marketing label? Like, I showed Proteus mm-hmm. to my mum. She <laughs> said this looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, this is, I, I played better games in the 80s. My mum's a bit of a game. Uh, is it mostly useful to like differentiate yourself? So people say, oh yeah, it looks like it's blue and weird, but it's an indie game, so it's okay. Oh, so it's
4: okay for an indie game. Yeah. But like for yeah. Like a real game, it's... Yeah, yeah. because not... that was
3: pretty much what my, my mom's like. My mum didn't have that indie game definition. She just yeah. went, that's crap. Whereas I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's indie."
4: And did she think it was okay after it was in, she knew it was indie? No, and she still thought it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but it's all. I think, like, there was actually this really interesting thing I saw on uh, Twitter the other day, like, via, like, all the GDC talk. Um, are you guys aware of Michael Bro? Made Glitch Tank, games like that, psycho 33? Cool. Okay, so he made this, you know, like, wrote this thing saying, like, AAA games, they're really, they're compared to, like, the big-budget kind of, like, Hollywood blockbuster films, whereas indie games are compared to, like, Indie music, and like indie yeah. films, like, yeah, great. like sorry, yeah. sorry, like so the, the big budget, like like Michael Bay sort of film is like what those are, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically, yes. But <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think he
5: brought up an interesting point because, um, as I said before, I thought indie games is that you bring your own particular kind of vision to uh, share with others, share with people that. Um, you think they're going to love it or, you know, just just you are sort of enjoying this process and you you enjoying this game. And that simply means not everyone's going to enjoy your particular type of point of view. And I think that's why we make indie games because it shows individual points of view. And I think that's, that's what's sort of differentiated a little bit. Just yeah. in terms
4: of marketing as well, I think it is kind of a label like developers could put on their game so that like like potential customers would know to expect that it's not going to be like, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of like shooter or whatever or like a AAA game?
3: Yeah, so you'd say, oh, I'm an indie game developer. Yeah. Or this is an indie game rather than this. Yeah. So when people it's see it's that, it's that with game,
4: Proteus and then yeah. they realize once they open it, you don't have any guns. <laughs>
1: yeah, because games are, there, guns are terrible. guns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we've established that the the game medium is ever evolving what do you guys as game developers and artists do to ensure that you're up to date and that you're personally developing as well
3: make a lot of stuff it's basically it just keep working and keep doing things i think up to date is an interesting one i was going to say oh you don't need to play everything but i think actually does help to play a lot of things just to see There's been a a really big shift um, in the last couple of decades about player expectation, about what a game's going to do and what it's trying to communicate to you and how it's going to play. So the whole uh, arcade model of three lives and then it's over and you have to start again from the beginning—like people wouldn't even expect to see that now and they'd be confused by it, um, and nobody likes it. Um, So if you really had kept your head down, you'd 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 miss that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, mostly just. Just keep making stuff and try and not to get lost on epics that take your entire life and never get finished. Um, that's, that's bad.
4: Yeah, I pretty much agree like, just get as involved as, imposs- like, as possible. Like even if you're not making something, then just participate in things, find local communities, just do everything just because there's so much happening, it's going so fast. So yeah, definitely just stay involved in any capacity.
5: Yeah, I, I just think it's like Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Facebook <laughs> all the time, you know. Like, because basically I will actually, um, well, lots of artists actually do this now because they actually just use their Facebook account as their personal, oh, sorry, their art account rather than personal account. So they actually just add a million people. <laughs> and these people will actually, or like those people are actually artists as well. So you actually can get, you know, famous artists looking at your art <laughs> like, rather than, you know, random people that they don't care about art to look at your art, which is actually an interesting thing of using Facebook. Um, And then there's, you know, Twitter, Pinterest, just kind of, um, I guess, trying to follow all the fields that you're interested in and just trying to sort of always get the newest stuff. Know, going to for me I go to iTunes all the time to look at what's the new game and have a look at the current trend or just great game news and all that yeah
4: just the other thing about getting involved is actually just talking to people as well because like I know like ages ago I got really kind of I guess nervous kind of contacting any sort of like kind of bigger indie developer that I really like admire the work of but then I just email them and they're like they're all the same as us. Like, like really, everyone's yeah. just still making games. Some people have just, you know, been a bit more successful, and like, they're really cool. And like,
1: yeah, through that, I got in, people. Yeah, but like,
4: <laughs> I got invited to like these really cool online communities where like I've learned so much about like you know game design and seen like all these really cool games that have like started people's like career to like really great heights. Like I've seen these in development, and it really helps. So definitely like, actually, when I say getting involved, like actually talking to people and meeting people, like either it's online or in person, and just yeah, getting involved.
6: Just, just a follow-on question for the um, the game developers, I suppose. So, some of the the advice you've given um, make a lot of things play a lot of things. Um, particularly about the play a lot of things. Um, you know, what do you what do you suggest um, an aspiring independent developer play? Should they be playing? a lot of mainstream titles, seeing what other things are going on that are independently produced. Um, I suppose even on a personal level, um, what are some of your influences and how did you choose them as far as games that you've played?
3: I'm pretty lazy, so I play things that I like. Um, because, you know, that's, that's time in my life that I'm not getting back, so I'd rather enjoy it. Um, but I think that really helps as well, because I, I try to only make games that I like. Um, again, same reasons. Um, but it means that I see things that are relevant to what I'm trying to do. Um, I do try to push myself occasionally and try stuff that I'm not familiar with, that's that's not something that I've played a million times before, but that's more about playing things that are different and interesting. Um, so, you know, if if there's a series of of first-person shooters with 15 titles in the series, I'm not going to play all 15 of them unless I'm particularly interested in making a first-person shooter just like that. That's, you, you kind of get the feel of it and then you sort of start wasting your time. Um, so yeah, I guess just play things you give it in about things that you find interesting. Because if you don't find it interesting, you're not going to learn very much from it, I think. Unless you find it frustrating, which is also very important. You need to learn about what's frustrating. Because most of the time when you frustrate a player, you've just lost them completely and they quit. And that's very, very bad. Right. Pretty much the same thing. Just I
4: literally search everywhere and just find games, like every single game and just try and play them just to get those sort of same experiences. Um, I would definitely say though like through playing frustrating games, it definitely helps you to know like as a designer what people kind of don't like, but like another thing I really like to do is actually ask people what they think of a particular game to see like what other people's ideas are. So like you can kind of get that kind of consensus of what people actually think about it and like kind of learn from it, like learn through someone else's experience.
5: Yeah, yeah. I actually just read lots of app comments, you know, yeah. appcomments.com just, just don't read. read blog comments. I'm like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool.
4: Thank you. Actually, just one side note. Can I like? I
2: just, <laughs> sorry. No. Okay. Just Barely there <laughs> <Mary. laughs> No.
4: I'm actually. I've got them. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, right. Space funeral. Yeah. This. Have you guys played this? Yeah, this game, like, is one of my favorite games. Um, Glumbuster, it's not actually, it's okay, but like, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, Dysphoria by Ananthropy, it's amazing. And basically anything by Michael Bro. We're
3: <laughs> okay. We going now? Ooh. Is that really what I sound like? Um,
4: <laughs> okay, um, so with independent titles, there's been a huge influx of games that takes
3: um, style over substance. So, there's, um, for example, To the Moon, which has a really amazing story, but um, in terms of game mechanics, there's a lot left to be desired. Um, where there are some games where uh, titles like The Binding of Isaac and Faster Than Light, and to a lesser extent, I Wanna Be the Guy, which never forgets that it's a game. You know, you can show like this degree of skill when you play it. Um, So, I was just asking, like, uh, in terms of independent development, is there room for these kinds of games where you can still rack up points, show a certain degree of skill, and progress through levels, instead of just kind of just wading through walls of text? Um, Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, I would start by saying that I'm strongly of the opinion that style can be substance. Um, So, I'm quite fine with that. But, yeah, sure. Make cool shit. (laughs) I mean, if something's interesting, then it's worth doing. And yeah. it doesn't really matter whether somebody decides to define that it's not a game or, or any crap like that. Uh, you know, cool things are cool. So,
2: yeah.
4: There'll always Bring be one. an
3: audience for everything.
2: <laughs> um, this, this gentleman <laughs> here had his hand up forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's behind the <laughs> pillar. Where's
3: this going? That guy.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Um, Cheers. We've spent a long time trying to define indie games. I'm not directing this at anyone in particular. I wanted to <laughs> hear what you thought about indie game consumers. Like, who's paying your bills? Who's actually buying these games? Given that these triple title games uh, have so much money invested in marketing, uh, who is attracted to seeking out a new title? Cool people. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Okay.
4: <laughs>
5: Oh, oh, well, for me, when I was working with the Voxel agents, um, because it was, uh, it was mobile market, I see there's a lot more indie games in the mobile game market rather than actually PC or, you know, consoles. Just because it was a much easier market for independent uh, companies to actually go in, like um, if you actually want to get a license for you know, Nintendo, it's like if you are not a proper studio, then we're not going to give you the license, no matter how much you want to pay. So um, there's that. So you know, there's also that, um, I think for iOS, there's not much cost involved in at all. And for Android, it's just free. Like you can just publish whatever you want to publish over there. So that's, that's actually giving the indie guys a very good platform for them to sell their games to actually communicate directly to the consumers. Um, and I thought that's actually what made indie games so sort of a big thing in those recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, so when I started selling the Captain Forever stuff, I noticed a slightly worrying trend um, because I see the email address of everybody who buys it it became very much apparent to me that I was mostly selling to other game developers, um, <laughs> which is a bit worrying because at some point the system is really going to break down. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I think you do start sort of selling within the communities and the, the groups of people who are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, but once you get out of that, you're really just selling to people who don't give a damn about whether or not something is an indie game. They're either going to like something or they're not based on its own merits. Um, And that's where marketing is kind of interesting because I I don't have data for this, but I I really get the feeling that you can market the hell out of a bad game and you can sell it, Um, but a particularly good game will just spread through word of mouth. And so that means that anybody has the opportunity to do that if they happen to be extraordinarily talented and lucky and in the right place at the right time, et cetera, et cetera. But that opportunity is still there. Um, you just need to somehow... I don't know. I it out. <laughs> One day.
5: I think if it's a bad game, there's actually no way for you to sell it. Like, you can market it. You can get it out there. But eventually, the consumers will just say it's a crap game. Yeah. And I think consumers are getting more and more fussy as well and they actually um or like all of us are consumers as well so we actually continuously getting better and better like finding particular kind of games that we're enjoying because we have a million games there for us to select it's kind of like you sort of get to know your palette a little bit more so that's very interesting yeah
3: that makes me wonder actually if that's part of why a lot of the studios around here Like a a lot of Australian studios, I think, used to live on licensed titles. Mm. Um, Mm. And you used to be able to stand in a game shop and you would see somebody walk up to the shelf and go, ooh, I like Hot Wheels, I'll buy this game. (laughs) Um, I can say that because I worked on a Hot Wheels game. (laughs) 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 And, you know, my joke to the rest of the team while we were working on it was that it would be okay if we shat in the box. People would still buy it. Um, and they would buy exactly the same number of copies because they're not going to read online reviews for whether or not they buy this particular Hot Wheels game or anything like that. But it sounds like maybe that's changing. Yeah.
2: There's also this... um, I teach game students, you know, and a lot of them are, like, you know, late teens, early 20s, and there seems to be, like, this... almost, like, inherent sense of competition between them about who can find the most obscure titles or who's (laughs) in love with the most obscure title. So I think also a thing that I've noticed is that like, there's definitely a big market for indie games um, among younger gamers, I think. Or at least like youth gamers between like, you know, 16 and 25. It's almost like a, a rite of passage, I think. You know? It's
5: the same with independent music. Like we mentioned yeah, before, it's, it's yeah. just like before people just listen to the radios and get all the mainstream music. And then gradually, because of the internet, there's more and more people putting their own piece of music on the internet to share with people. And then people just, oh, okay, here's this. I've never heard of this, and I'm really enjoying this. And it's the same thing with games. Yeah, and
2: it's, it's seen almost just like, you know, wherever there are, like, sites of social contention or, like, you know, things that are cultural products that are counter-hegemonic, it's, like, you know, often at, at this point through... You know, or is seen as being by certain you know crowds or, or certain demographics as being through indie games. So I think that's, that tends to happen quite a bit too. A
5: there's a, there's there. Any more questions? Okay, we
2: have time for one more. Two, Two more? Okay. <laughs>
0: um, loud. Um, obviously, like, one of the best things I think about the gaming scene is, like, the community that comes along with that, like how tight-knit everyone who likes games r- really is. And um, there's always been this kind of barrier, I mean, unless you're Valve and then you come from an alternate dimension. Um, there's always been this kind of barrier between the person who makes the game and then sells it to the consumer. And, you know, um, a lot of people who play games don't particularly trust, the, you know, the big mega developers because there's always, you know, that money thing involved. But... Um, it's really different for indie games, so my question would be um, what kind of effect do you think this community has on the indie game scene, and vice versa? I don't
5: know.
3: I mean, I guess I spend a lot of time in developer communities who all play each other's games, Mm. Um, and that's Always a very positive thing, I suppose. So people are used to making these games to show their friends, even though they're then going to show the public. Um, so I guess it, it kind of resonates with what happens in the end when things get released, if that addresses the point at all. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anybody else?
5: <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> so, I, mean, so,
2: yeah. Yeah, I guess the question really is like what you're asking perhaps is how do. Um, how, do, how does the commercial games industry or how do the big studios have an effect on indie development and how do we think that indie development is having an effect on, on them or their game sales? Is um, that the question? Well, no,
0: no, it's more like because, you know, you're kind of free as an indie developer. Yeah. You don't have to worry about, you know, the, well, you do have to worry about money, obviously, but, you know, it's not so much <laughs> about, you know, let's make a game that sells for millions and millions of dollars. Like, you can be more involved in, like, with the community rather than separate from them. Yeah, like yeah right yeah, yeah like it's player driven friendly that kind
3: of that can be good I mean I should point out that there are some Indies who are very commercially focused
0: mm. um, yeah.
3: and some who aren't um, but I think there have also been some traditional studios who have been very much focused on getting involved in their community and things um I wasn't at irrational at the time that they were making tribes of vengeance but I did hear a number of stories, and basically they, they were really trying to get involved with the community, they were on the forums all the time with the Tribes 1 and 2 player base, um, and they even like flew someone out to come and hang out at the studio and all that kind of stuff, which was really great. Um, but I think they felt at the end that they still ended up creating a game that the community hated, and that was simply because everybody had been involved and been able to put their ideas out, but... There was no one game that was going to satisfy this huge variety of, of things that people really thought that they were going to get because they'd been able to communicate. Um, so I think that actually turned out to be a bit of a negative for the game, um, which is a real shame because it sounds like it's going to be a really positive thing. Um, and maybe it can be done much better. But you know, on the internet you can make people very angry. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Um, so just following on from what you are saying before about the support for your games often coming from within the industry rather than without and looking at the fact that you were discussing as commercial, you know, big developers of getting their hooks into the indie industry and kind of trying to commercialise that, um, you always hear discussion of, you know, stand-up comedians potentially being a comedian's comedian or a writer being a writer's writer and getting that, you know, being, getting respect from within the, in- the, in- within the industry. Do you think that's potentially the, the most stable future for these kind of indie games, is just being that, maybe not super famous, but just getting all that love from within the industry?
4: Can I actually just use Michael Brow as an example here? Because <laughs> it's already it's already there. Okay. No, no, I'm not going to jump. So these games get written... Like, all of these games get written about a lot, right? Like, Corrupt, which is the one in the top middle. That game was, like, indie games' number one puzzle game of last year. But he's publicly written that, like these games have all tank, excuse the pun. So, like, but, like, he's really well-respected, but, like, like actually players really aren't into his games because, like, they are admittedly a bit ugly. <laughs> yeah, I
3: guess it's a bit, like, jazz. <laughs> <laughs> or at least my understanding of it, because that's about all I understand about it, um, that you have to be really into it to be really into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a place for that, but I, I don't think... I mean I, I see I don't I don't want to talk about defining indie again, but I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see it more as something you'd define as going, it's not that and it's not that and it's everything else. So saying indie games is over here or it's over there doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's it's pretty much everywhere except, you know, like DA and <laughs> and the traditional publisher-developer model. But even then sometimes it is. Um so yeah, I mean there's definitely space for people to do that and they are doing that as, as you showed mm-hmm. but there's there's a whole lot of other space for people to do a whole lot of other things.
2: Yeah. Okay, okay um, <laughs> I think that's it for question time guys. Thank you so much for coming. Please join me in thanking Yang Chen Lee, Andrew Brophy and Farbs. <laughs>
1: And let's thank uh, Laura as well for doing a wonderful chair job tonight.
0: You have been listening to an ACME podcast. For more recordings of talks and live events, go to ACME Channel and the ACME website.